Hello, Kairos. It is so good to be able to worship alongside you tonight. If we haven't gotten the chance to meet, my name is Lindsay Jacoby. And I would love to continue worshiping tonight by reading our scripture. We are nearing the end of our journey in our series called Follow Me as I Follow Jesus, as we've been making our way through 2 Timothy. So we will be in chapter 4 tonight. Feel free to follow along in your copy of God's, God's Word, or it will be up on the screens behind me. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Holy Spirit, would you give us fresh eyes to see and fresh ears to hear for the first time or the hundredth time. Jesus, go before us in this text and make a way. And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jacoby. Hey, guys, I'll say bless the Lord if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Hey, guys, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here if we haven't met. Hello. We've been having uh, lots of first-timers, second-timers, and third-timers, so come up to me afterwards. Give me a little fist bump. We'll say hi. Um, and I'm glad you're here. What you need to know about us, uh, Kairos, as a congregation, we want to preach the word of God clearly and give your soul some space to respond. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth and to transform us into the image of Christ. Uh, and that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. Uh, the passage that Jacoby just read, uh, it's my earnest prayer that in this room, whether you live 50 more years or five more days, that at the end of your days, you could say the same as Paul. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I don't know about you, but that's something we can live into. I think one of the reasons that this is so difficult in our modern age of Christianity is because I think a lot of times the institutional church of which I'm a part of, we failed you. Um, young adults, the statistics continue to grow leave the church and don't come back, starting to see statistics come out from surveys. Post-COVID, even if there's a vaccine, will you return to a physical gathering at a church? 40% of adults say no. And maybe somewhere along the way, and maybe I was a part of this, and if I was, I want to publicly repent of it. We told you that there wasn't a fight you had to fight. We didn't let you know there was a race you needed to run, and we didn't know you, let you know you had to keep on to that faith because something was going to try to tear it away. We sold you easy believism, and we tried to get you to convert by saying a prayer, and then we never discipled you. We just left you be and said, hey, try to be a really good person and not sin that much and just wait for heaven. And somewhere along the way, I, I think we just need to repent 
that the race we told you to run was straight to the church on Sunday morning and we never told you how to be the church on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning. Somewhere along the way, we told you the best way to keep the faith was to come listen to us to preach and be loyal listeners and we never empowered you to be learning leaders. And I want that to change. I want the gospel to go forward. I want us to entrust and endure to make sure that the gospel goes forward in us and through us. I want you to be a disciple who makes disciples. I want you to leave a legacy for the kingdom of God through your life starting now so that on your deathbed, you can pray this prayer. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. It may not have been pretty, It may not have been perfect, but by God's grace, I'm going forward. So if you grew up in church culture at all, if you didn't, I'm so glad you're here. Let's talk afterwards. You can tell me how weird we are. Uh, I know there's sometimes language and words and phrases, and you're like, creepy. Uh, I promise we'll try to explain them. Um, Usually there's a reason for most of it. The other part is probably just my frivolousness. But if you grew up in and around church, Um, normally you would have sat through some sort of sermon or Sunday school lesson that basically said, when you die and you appear before God, you want to hear God say to you, well done. That's great. Excellent. That would have been awkward if no one filled in the blank there. Uh, We just wrapped it up and sang some more. (laughs) What they just mumbled in case you didn't grow up in this is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And it's probably in the King James Version if you grew up in my particular brand. Uh, What he's referencing is Matthew 25, that when Jesus told a story about a master entrusting to some of his stewards and his servants some resources, like one he gave 10,000, the other 5,000, I'm loosely interpreting here, and one 1,000, and they invested it while he was gone. When he came back, he said, what'd you do? 10 said, I made 20. Five said, I made 10. He's like, awesome, here's more. Congratulations, the one with one said I buried it in the ground. Here it is, I knew you were harsh and you reap where you don't sow, there you go. To the first two, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. You've been faithful with little, more will be given to you. What did he say to the servant who buried it in the ground and went, "Uh, I, I played it safe. Here, here you go. I, I knew you were mean and angry and judgmental, and you sow where you reap where you don't sow. Here's the thousand dollars. Leave me alone. What did he say to him? He said, "You wicked servant. You'll be judged by your perception of me. Take it from him. Give it to the others, and cast him out in outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth." I love what my buddy Dave Rhodes how he interprets part of this parable. He says, so many of us, when we're trying to make a life, when we're trying to run the race, when we're trying to fight the good fight, when we're trying to keep the faith, so many of us are asking God, please change my circumstances. And what God is asking us is to change your investment. So many of us just want things to magically fix or disappear, and what God is calling you right now in your life as messed up, screwed up, complicated, inconvenient, unexpected as it is, change your investment strategy. 
If you'll start to invest in the kingdom of God, you will see dividends. And your circumstances may change, but even if they don't, guess what? You will change. And you'll find an endurance and a perseverance and the fact that you were made to fight. We were talking earlier, I think the Lord's just taking us through a season where he's teaching us to fight. And I know for me, a lot of times I just feel like a, little kid with skinny arms just trying to hit a, a grown person or like that what are you doing <laughs> oh. it's mike tyson you remember him incredible heavyweight fighter he's like hey everyone's got a game plan or a strategy until they get punched in the face does anybody feel like life just punched you in the face you had a strategy and all of a sudden you're like oops that did not work i might be in trouble here uh, I, I want you to hear this, uh, I think, from the authority of God's word in this text that Paul's in tonight. Um, it's never too late to live into a new legacy. It's never too late to live into a new legacy. Because here's the deal. Some of you are great at fighting. You're just fighting bad fights, not good fights. Some of you are great at running. just need to change your direction. Some of you are great at keeping the faith. You just need to learn how to give it away fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. It's never too late to live into a new legacy. Take, for instance, this dude, Alfred, from the 1800s, right? He wakes up one morning, takes out the paper, drinking his cup of coffee, and he's reading through it, and he gets the obituaries, and shocked and horrified, he sees his own name. He reads his own obituary, mistakenly published, and at the end, he is grief-stricken. Why? Because he died and didn't know it? No, it's what they said about him, what they said about his legacy. They called him the merchant of death died today. Alfred Nobel was a man who got rich by finding ways to kill people faster. What was his legacy? In 1867, Alfred Nobel invented dynamite. And at the time, it was an incredible contribution for mining and for construction until then, there's just nitroglycerin, highly unstable. In fact, in part of his backstory, his dad owned a plant for that. It exploded, killed like 200 workers. And so he's a serious student, and he just give, discovers a way to stabilize that and calls it dynamite. And I don't know if it was over time that he lost his purpose or if it was for profits or if it was unintentional. Regardless of what happened, it got co-opted by the military and people who wanted to make war, and they used his invention to kill people faster. And right then and there, he decided to live into a new legacy. And he began for the rest of his life to divest his fortune into making the world a safer, better place. He began setting up prize money uh, and awards and incentives and stipends in medicine, in chemistry, um, in economics, and in literature, and in peace. You know him as Alfred Nobel for the Nobel Peace Prize. And by the end of his life, in today's dollars, he invested $3.1 billion into living into a new legacy. So my question for you if someone tweeted out your obituary tonight, your legacy, in 120 characters, what legacy would you leave? He really liked video games. She was really into clothes. Oh man, she was worried a lot. 
He was a player. Does anybody want to live into a new legacy? My question for you is, what would your legacy say? Would you want to change it? And if so, are you willing to pay the cost? It cost Alfred Nobel $3.1 billion. What might it cost us? God forbid we actually start tithing. Sorry, that wasn't fair, was it? It wasn't at all. That was, that was not planned. That's just personal work that I'm doing with some of the guys I'm discipling and also the Lord taking me on an adventure with trusting him with my finances. So that's my work, not yours. But if it's yours, I invite you into it. The water's warm. <laughs> Here's the good news. And by good news, I mean the gospel. And by the gospel, I mean Jesus Christ. That no matter what legacy you would leave tonight, the price has already been paid for you to live into a new one. Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, hung on a cross, shed his blood so that your heritage of sin could be transformed into a legacy of righteousness. That is the good news of the kingdom of God. He will change your destiny from hell to heaven. That is the life Christ is offering you. That is the free gift that will cost you everything you ever had because you will have to place your security and identity in Christ, not in people or possessions or your pride or your accomplishments. Do you want to get to the end of your days and say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul's talking here and I think if, if you've been following us in this series, he's on death row, he's in prison, he's awaiting his second trial. And I imagine if someone mistakenly tweeted out his legacy, it would read this. Paul became poor by finding ways to make everyone rich in Christ. Paul, an apostle who became poor so that everyone could be rich in Christ. In fact, that was one of his prayers. I pray out of God's glorious riches that he would strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, high schooler, middle schooler, college student, young adult, would be rooted and established in love and understand the power together with all God's saints grasp how deep and how wide, how long and how high is the love of Christ, and to know that this surpasses knowledge. He's on death row. He's writing to Timothy, and it's in this midst of he's really exhorting him because he needs to carry on the work, and the passage we'll get to next week, all of a sudden, he's crying out for companionship. He's lonely. He's cold. Everyone's abandoned him, and he wants Timothy to get there as soon as he can, smack dab in the middle of that, knowing that the days are behind him when he's trekking out on adventures for God, walking far in exotic streets, cobbling together an income so that he established the kingdom of God here on earth through extended spiritual families by making disciples that make disciples, inviting others along into an intentional spiritual friendship so that with Jesus, he can make disciples of Jesus. He wasn't a perfect example, but he was a living example, but that time is coming to a close. And in the midst of that. He has this calming confidence. Thank you, Amber, for that language. When we read through the text, she just said there's a calming confidence to him. 
that even in the midst of our anxieties, our worries, our fear, our doubt, our despair, the thoughts in your head that you can't control, the lies from the enemy that continue to try to sabotage you and steal your faith, there's a calming confidence in the midst of here that says, my time has come. I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. And there is now in store for me a crown of righteousness who Christ, the righteous judge, will award me, not only me, but all who long for his appearing. Do you long for the appearing of Christ? Do you have a calming confidence in the face of the unknown? What if Paul's words could be our words? And I'll try to hoop a little bit with his words here, okay? What if we could say, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. What if we could say that our present sufferings, trials, and temptations are not worth comparing to the future glory that would be revealed in us? What if in this hope we are saved? What if greater is he that is in me than is in the world? What if we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved? What if we realize that now we know if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, but we still press on, press forward, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. If he can endure the cross, I can endure a couple bills. I can endure some relationship conflict. I can endure some temptation. I can endure the distractions to numb out, veg out, and withdraw from this world and just want to hunker down until it's over and it's not really a fight and there's no race to run. And what you'll find out, there is no faith left for you to keep. We are to be actively engaging. There is a good fight out there for you. The reason you're so bored and dissatisfied and sin addicted and attached to unhealthy things is you didn't know you were designed to fight. You were wired to run. And you were designed to keep a hold of that faith, or as Paul puts it, you're supposed to lay a hold of that which has laid a hold of you. Jesus is your stronghold. Your ever-present help in times of danger. Here, my rock and my salvation, a mighty fortress, I shall not be shaken. If this is true, then maybe we can long for the appearance of Christ more than we long for the approval of men and women and comforts and conveniences. Maybe our longing for Christ to come and make all things new can burn with a white-hot passion so it just consumes our petty, little, selfish desires that go nowhere and keep us out of the fight, sidelined on the race, and waving goodbye to our faith. If we could say some of these things, pray some of these things, ask the Lord to change our identity and our desires, then maybe, just maybe, we'd be ready to be poured out like a drink offering. Now, when Paul would say this, uh, wherever this letter was read in his congregations, uh, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, would be like, oh, okay, drink offering. They would know from cultic practices that there's a drink offering, usually wine, that you pour out to whatever God or deity you want to appease so they're not mad or make bad things happen to you. They'd be like, cool. But then the Jewish person sitting next to them would be like, oh, Yahweh. They wouldn't say Yahweh. I'm sorry. That's, that's a terrible example. They would say amen. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? 
And they're like, oh, you don't know, Numbers chapter 28? There's a drink offering back in our sacrificial system. Or like, tell me more. Well, it's not a guilt offering. It's not a sin offering. It's not a peace offering. Why not? Jesus was those. He sacrificed himself for you so that you could have peace, get rid of your guilt, get rid of your sin, and have his righteousness. But the drink offering, oh, that was a free will offering that you gave with joy. You walked up with a full cup of wine and you poured it out on top of the altar, basically saying, God has filled my cup to the brim. And I'm so joyful and grateful that I pour it out before him, knowing he will fill it up again in this life or the next one. And Paul is saying, the time has come with joy. I'm gonna be poured out like a drink offering on the altar. And I have no idea how far this legacy would run. Do you think he could imagine that we would still be talking about him today and the mess and chaos that he was dealing with? How many of you are ready to have your life ripple for all of eternity, to have disciples who make disciples, to have generations of disciples that stand with you at the throne of God and say, I'm here because of her? What a glorious picture that would be. And you could say with tears in your eyes, I, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. It wasn't pretty. It was nitty. It was gritty. There were some times I really stumbled and fell. There were some times I just stayed on the mat, but I kept the faith. And more importantly, the faith kept me. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to say that one day. So here's a couple questions if you want to get there I have for you. Another word for a drink offering would be called a libation. So the question is, are you a libation in the kingdom of God or are you a liability? Right now, are you pouring or are you hoarding your life, your relationships, and your resources? Are you leaving a legacy of disciple making or sin partaking? Do you long for the appearance of Christ? Or do you hope for his disappearance so you can go do what you want to do? Do you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or do you want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you? I hope it's a wake-up call for us in the church that it's time for us to fight our weapons are peace, hope, and love, by the way. So don't, we're not going jihad, okay? I'm just making sure that's clear. This is, is really crazy times we're living in. So I'm not, we're not, it's not, it's not a call to arms, it's a call to prayer, all right? So we're clear, good. And here's the good news. For those of you who stumbled in here and you're the orphan and the outcast, you're the down and out and you're the dead last, you're the hypocrite and the hypercritical, you're the overachiever and under-receiver, You've been over-churched and under-gospeled your whole life. Jesus loves you. He's knocking at the door of your heart. And if you open it up and let him in, he's gonna sit down and have a meal with you. He's gonna break that bread. He's gonna bless it. And he will change your identity. He'll move you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life. Someone in here just needs to give their life to Christ. You've been running for far too long and fighting the wrong fight. And I know, I know what it feels like to go, that's fine and good for you, Chris, but you don't understand the shameful chapters of my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did this afternoon. 
No, I get it. And I know it seems weird that you could live into a new legacy. You think that those things will always define you. They may explain you, but they won't define you. Paul in his 30s, if he were to die, his legacy would have been Paul, killer of disciples. He hunted down Christians and killed them. Now his legacy is disciple maker. And if the apostle Paul can stand before God and say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. What could the Holy Spirit do in you tonight? Amen? So we want to preach the Bible clearly and give your soul some space to respond. You can journal, write, pray, listen. Jacoby will come up and just give us a couple guided prayers for us to walk through. Let's listen to the Lord together. So we listen in together. A couple questions just to guide your listening based on our text and based on what we've heard preached, what in your life feels like a fight right now? It's 2020, so the list is probably long. That's okay. What has given you weak arms and bruised knees, has left you feeling beat up and broken with no strength left? Is there a race that you're running away from? You're running somewhere, but it's not after the Lord. He's calling you to repent, believe, and turn around and follow him in a different direction. Where are you struggling to keep the faith? Maybe you did for a while, but you just can't muster up enough to believe anymore. good news is it only takes a mustard seed. That's not very much, as long as your faith is in the right person. Would you name those things to the Lord? Ask him to give you eyes to see each of those areas in your life, and then have the courage to respond in faith. Let's listen in together.